Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and I'd like to welcome all of you here as well. I just want to tell you, preaching is a weird thing, okay? I know you know that, but I want to recognize that. Because last week I said something dumb at the first service, and then I said something dumb at this service, because what I said at this service was I said something dumb at the first service, and you're all wondering, what did you say what was dumb at the first service? So now I have to tell you. Um, so I'll try to, no, I just did, I, I, I didn't, I, I said something about Bible study fellowship, and I, the implication of what I said was, was negative, and I didn't want it to be that at all. So I had to just clarify that and say, it's really good, okay? So that was my, I, I just didn't think through an illustration very well, and I used a different one in this service. So, um, and, and, and part of the reason I mentioned that is just to say, you know, when I say something dumb, just don't go very angry. Come and tell me about it, because people told me about it, and I didn't use it in this service. So um, it's okay. Uh, there's a proverb that says, when words are many, sin is not absent. Um, Neither is foolishness, and sometimes we say dumb things. So we deal with it, and we laugh, and we go on. And so if you are wondering what I said, um, it wasn't really a very big deal. I just didn't make an illustration very clear. So anyway, we're going to continue taking a look at Jesus on his way to the cross. Uh, 24. We're looking at 24 hours. The last 24 hours leading up to and including the, the, the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. 24 hours that were pivotal in human history, that changed human history, and that can change our lives as well. It, it comes from sunset on Thursday to sunset on Friday in the spring of a year, uh, about 2,000 years ago, 80, 30 or so, something, uh, something like that. This morning, what we're going to look at is specifically the time from, from 6 a.m. on Friday to 7 a.m. on Friday, that hour. And what happens there, last week we talked about Jesus uh, being tried by the Sanhedrin, and they deemed him worthy of death. They said that he was worthy of death, but they couldn't, they couldn't enact the death penalty. And so they bring him before Pilate, and Pilate sends him to Herod. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's kind of just go back a little bit here and uh, kind of go to Thursday at 7 p.m. This is when Jesus started this time period. He and the disciples were in the upper room there in the upper city part of Jerusalem, the nicer part of Jerusalem. Uh, It took about five hours. Jesus washed their feet. They celebrated the Passover. It took about five hours. So it was about midnight when they left there, went across Jerusalem, about a half mile, through the temple probably, through the Kidron Valley and into the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus prayed. The disciples fell asleep, but Jesus prayed for three hours probably, something like that, all right? So that moved us to 3 a.m., all right? So around 3 a.m., Jesus was arrested. They wouldn't have brought him through the temple, so probably down the Kidron Valley, up through the lower city and so on, and then to the palace of Caiaphas, Palace of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was a high priest, and the Sanhedrin was gathered there. And we talked about them last week. That was the, the religious leaders and some of the business leaders of that community. And uh, they tried Jesus there. Uh, started about 3 o'clock in the morning. And that went till about 6 o'clock in the morning. Again, they didn't have the authority to execute Jesus, so they needed to bring him to Pilate. They needed to bring him to the Roman governor. Here's what Mark says about that. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him to Pilate. All right. So um, what they did is if they were there at the palace of Caiaphas, they took him to where Pilate was. Two possibilities. I'll show you the other in just a second. This is the one I think that's more likely. He, he was taken to what is called the Antonia Fortress. Here's a, a better picture of the model there. This was built by Herod, but it was built for Roman soldiers. 
There was a garrison, 600 soldiers who would be stationed there all the time, probably more during the Passover because it was always kind of a, a dangerous time, a political exciting time and challenging time. So probably more than 600 soldiers uh, there um, in, in that place at the Antonio Fortress. Interesting to notice something. All right, this green area that I just highlighted, that's the temple. So right next to the temple, and, and, it's, and connected in some way, either through a corridor or something, is this Roman garrison with 600 soldiers in it. And, and in fact, you know how powerful people kind of connect, even if they don't like each other? Well, the, the, the garments of the high priest, Caiaphas, the garments of the high priest, which were used on one day of a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, were actually kept in the Antonia Fortress. Okay, so there's some kind of a connection there. I don't think they necessarily liked each other, but they recognized that they were both power people, right? The high priest does and, and Pilate does. And so I think that's probably where he was. The other option is, is that Pilate was staying in Herod's palace, which would be here. I, I don't think he was. I think he was on his own because Herod, there are two Herods there. We'll get to that in a minute. So um, 6 a.m., the Sanhedrin has made their decision. They're going to bring Jesus to Pilate. And Pilate is going to have to deal with this. Now, what I want to do is take just a couple of minutes here. That's a lie, more than a couple, maybe ten. But I want to try to explain. For a, a number of us, we've heard of Pilate, we've heard of Herod, but we don't necessarily know who are they, how are they connected, what's the, what's the power order here, okay? So I want to take a couple of minutes, just like we talked about the Sanhedrin last week, and talk about who is Herod, who is Pilate, and, and what are they doing there. And I think you'll be able to kind of get into the story a little bit better. In order to understand who Pilate is and who Herod is, um, we've got to understand something about the Roman Empire. And I got a map here. This is the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus, all right? It's all the red and all the green together. It was basically the civilized world. I, I love it. You probably can't read it, but the, the tan areas are called the barbarian lands. Um, and so this was the civilized world. It's there. Um, the difference between the red and the green, the red, the key tells us here, that's, that's the Roman Empire, okay? So that was, that was clearly ruled only by Rome, and, and it was directly accountable to Rome, and there were no other governments in place in those areas. The green areas are called client states. And so what's going on in those areas is they still have some level of local government. Rome is in charge, but they have local government. They have some of the, the you know, they, they, they set up an arrangement where they had some local power. You'll notice that Judea here, Israel here, is a client state. So what that means what that means is that, is that they have a local king of the Jews, a local king of this area, but they also have a Roman leader of this area called a prefect. And so that's why we get this. And in fact, I, I think in order to understand it, and, and this will sound kind of odd at first, but it, it, there were really three governments in Israel at the time of Jesus. One is bad. Three is horrible, right? I mean, there are three governments in Israel. The one we talked about last week was the Sanhedrin. Okay, these are, these are Jewish people who are committed Jewish people. They're the chief priests. They're the scribes and the Pharisees, the Bible teachers, the ones passionate about God's word. They're the business leaders, the elders, and so on. This is, this is the, the Jewish leadership that uh, they didn't always get along, but they, they saw themselves as part of the same family. They saw themselves as part of the same nation, as part of the same group. So there's the Sanhedrin. The, the, the second level, the next level up, higher than the Sanhedrin, was a client king, okay? Again, it said it was a client state. And so what they have is they have a client king in pa- place, and that, that person serves under Rome, under the prefect, under the Roman leader. And at the time of Jesus, it's the line of Herod. 
If you've, maybe if you're familiar with enough Bible stories to say, okay, I, I've heard that name Herod before, and, and there's actually a number of Herods in the Bible, and, and I'll explain a little bit of that, but, it, but it's the line of Herod. Now, here's, here's where it, it, it's really interesting, and again, if you can understand this, you'll kind of see how things work, but, but Herod, Herod had a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father, and so the line of Herod was partially Jewish but they were not committed to God, okay? They were not serious followers of God. And, and, and so he's the king of the Jews. That was Herod's title at one level. The client king of the Jews, he had, he had that in place, but he really wasn't Jewish. He had some Jewish blood in him, but he really wasn't Jewish. He didn't follow the laws. He didn't love God. He didn't do all of that stuff. He was just kind of there, and, and, and he was the king. And so we have the Sanhedrin, and then we have the Herods, Herod the Great was the king when Jesus was born. Some of you might remember the story of that when Jesus was born, Herod the king ordered that all the baby boys two years and younger in Bethlehem would be killed because he had heard there was a rival king. Herod the Great was really jealous, okay? Herod the Great was really jealous. We'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. But um, so, so that's Herod the Great. He was the one. So the Sanhedrin and then Herod the Great. Let me show you his territory um, fairly large, um, Jerusalem there in the bottom, Galilee up there in the top. Herod was arrogant, he was proud, and he was a builder. He was just a master builder. And so, uh, for example, he was the one who built the temple in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. He made it nicer than it had ever been before. This is the model of that. He built a palace by the sea, okay? Uh, there, there are two pieces of land. I'll show up the picture today. Two pieces of land that stuck up. And then he had these, I mean, slave labor is, is great. You can do all sorts of stuff. But they built that wall across. He wanted a swimming pool in the Mediterranean. All right, he wanted a swimming pool in the Mediterranean, so he builds this palace by the sea, and he encloses this whole thing, and, and it becomes his kind of swimming pool. Here's a picture of it today. You can see he built a theater if he wanted to go to the play. Um, this area here, this long thing, is a horse track, um, so they would have races there. Um, one more picture. Just, I mean, this is on the Mediterranean. It's absolutely beautiful, and it was one of at least three palaces. I think he had five altogether or something. So um, Herod built that. He built another palace called Masada. Um, If you've ever been in Israel and seen this, it is absolutely amazing. Um, Carved it out of a mountaintop, and uh, here, let me show you this picture as well. You can see it kind of looking down on it. It is a phenomenal structure. It's an amazing thing. He actually had a pool there that he would make his servants bring water up. Um, so he could go swimming. Um, and again, you talk about a beautiful deck out there out the front, right? Um, you know, you can, you know, yeah, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. See, I was going to say a dumb thing there and say, you know, try to talk your husbands into building that, but that would be sexist. So then I'd have to apologize next week again. All right, so that's Judy <laughs> under Herod the Great. Somebody suggested after the first service that we just kind of start with where Ron was right and where Ron was wrong. Um, we could do something like that. Herod dies at 4 BC. That's why we say Jesus was actually born BC because he had to be alive when Herod was there. So he dies in 4 BC. His land is divided up among three of his children. He actually killed several of his children. One of the Roman emperors said, it's better to be Herod's dog than his son because <laughs> he was so jealous that anybody who he thought was after him, he would kill. So he killed a number of his sons. There were three left by the time he died. This is how they divided things up. The green area, including Jerusalem, that was held by Herod Archelaus, okay, one of his sons. It's not the Herod we hear as much about in the Bible. The, the magenta area here is um, 
is Galilee and, and this other area just to the um, west of Jerusalem, or east rather of Jerusalem, that's Herod Antipas. And he's the Herod that we probably hear the most about in the New Testament, okay? Herod the Great. Herod Antipas is the other one um, who is most often there. Herod Philip has this area. He's not in our story and really not in many stories at all biblically. If you wonder what the yellow area is, they declared these the Decapolis, the ten cities, the Roman cities, and they were free and independent because they were Roman, okay? So they kind of put this area there. So those three areas, that's, th- those are the Herods. Now, again, Jesus, um, again, we spent time in Jerusalem, so he's in the area of Herod Archelaus, but he spent most of his life growing up and doing a lot of ministry up in Galilee, so that's with Herod Antipas. Jesus dealt with him, though he never met him until just before he died. He dealt with Herod Antipas through intermediaries more than anybody else. Okay, so we have the Sanhedrin. That's kind of the local government. Then we have the, the Herods, the client kings, and, and, and they're, they're above them, but they're not really part of the Sanhedrin. They, they're not really liked by them. And then the third level, oh, one thing I, I, I want to say here before I go on. That none of the Herods, I mean, I mentioned Herod the Great had all the babies killed. None of the Herods were afraid to use violence, okay? Um, Herod Antipas had John the Baptist beheaded. Uh, they were all willing to kill Jewish people um, for no reason whatsoever. I mean, it was easy for them to do. And we're going to have to ask ourselves, well, then why was it hard to order an execution order for Jesus? They had done that plenty. They had each killed different people. So Sanhedrin, a client king, and then the Roman prefect, that's Pilate, okay? He's the Roman ruler of Judea, all right? And so his territory was basically this, the yellow, and then he had kind of secondary responsibilities. He was still in charge, but that green area, the dark green area, Galilee and Perea, those two areas, those are Antipas's areas, but it's also kind of Pilate is over them. Antipas had a little more freedom than Archelaus, Okay, and so that's why he's, he's got control over that. He's still in charge of Jesus, even though Jesus is from Galilee, uh, but he's got control over that. So this is his area. Um, and, and I had mentioned that beautiful palace by the sea. Uh, that's where Pilate decided he wanted to live. So Herod had to live in one of his other palaces. So he's living in Caesarea Maritima. That's, that's where Pilate is living. He's the Roman ruler of this territory. He served in the Roman military. He was a soldier, not first a politician, um, but, he, but he became that, but he served in the Roman military. Judea was not a great post. I mean, these people were kind of stiff-headed. They, they, they were uh, difficult to work with. Egypt would have been better. Uh, he did have the nice palace by the sea, but, but he wasn't overjoyed with being there. Again, it was, it was a good post, but not a great post. And, and again, Pilate, like the Herods, was not afraid to use violence against the Jewish people. Luke 13, verse 1 Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So people who come down from Galilee, come to Jerusalem, probably at Passover. They had done their sacrifices, offered their lambs, and then Pilate had them killed so that their blood mixed with the blood of their sacrifices. And again, Pilate was a soldier. He didn't lose sleep over it. Collateral damage is what it is, okay? So neither of these guys, neither Pilate nor Herod, Antipas, are afraid to kill Jewish people for very little reason whatsoever. And, and, and yet they struggle, all right? They struggle with Jesus. So those are the, C, Sanhe- the three, Sanhedrin, a client king, 
and, and, and the Roman ruler. And so that's kind of, you know, uh, excuse me, the other way around, really. Sanhedrin, then the client king, and the, and the Roman ruler, then Pilate. Now, they, they had their own palaces in different places. Like I said, Pilate was at Caesarea Maritima. Archelaus was probably in Jerusalem or just south of there at Masada that I showed you. Antipas, Herod Antipas, built a, 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 a palace at Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee. Um, and so he was up there during the Passover, they would all come to Jerusalem. Pilate would move in, and, and Herod Antipas would come down as well, all right? And they would all be in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know exactly where they were staying again. I would suggest Pilate is staying at the Antonia Fortress, and the two Herods, uh, I think these are stepbrothers. I can never keep all that straight, but I think they're stepbrothers. And if you're wondering how they stayed in the same place, well, they had separate homes in this palace, I think. And so that's how they got along. So um, again, it was built by their father. Uh, I think they were there. You can see up there that where the blue arrow is, that's the Antonia Fortress. All right, now we can start again. We can get back to, to the story. But hopefully that'll help you understand that, that Pilate is kind of this, this Roman guy. Herod is this uh, half-Jewish guy, not really committed. And the Sanhedrin is the Jewish leadership. And they need to get Pilate or Herod to sign off on this. They go to Pilate first. They bring him to Pilate, Luke 23, verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. Pilate's job was to keep the peace. Pilate's job was to keep things calm. And what they come to, to, to Pilate, and, and again, it, it, sometimes, let me just, sometimes people will say, well, look at they, they lied because they're changing the charges. When he was before the Sanhedrin, the charge was this, and now the charge is different. So this is unfair. It's a different court, okay? It's a different court with different rules. It's, it's, I mean, it was all wrong, but, but it's not like they changed the game. It's, it's a different court, a different system. So they come up, and, and they have to bring a different charge. And the charge is that he's causing rebellion that he's causing rebellion. Two specifics of that, he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, which is clearly wrong. I think Luke 20 is where Jesus talks about saying, go ahead and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And, and then these words, and claims to be Messiah, a king. That he claims to be Messiah, a king. And, and, and that's what kind of perks up Pilate's ears, right? That's where he gets interested. That's where he's saying, okay, hold on. Now I'm interested. This is my territory. Does this guy, is this guy really a king? Is that who he is? Verse three. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of this nation? Are you the king of this group? And and I want us to just stop there because part of what I want us to do this morning is to say, where am I like Pilate? Where do I find myself in his shoes? And where am I like Herod? Where do I find myself in his shoes? Because what happens here is Pilate has Jesus before him. I believe Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is hope and salvation and new life. Pilate needs Jesus more than he needs anything else. Pilate has Jesus before him, but what he does is he comes to Jesus with his own categories, okay? He comes to Jesus with his issues and says, Jesus, you got to decide. You got to tell me who you are. Are you this or are you that? He, he focuses on his issue. That's all I care about. Are you the king of the Jews or are you not the king of the Jews? Do you, do you have a threat to Rome or do you not have a threat to Rome? And, and I think what we see Jesus is going to say is he's going to say it's the wrong question. And whenever we ask the wrong question, we get the wrong answer. And, and I think sometimes I find myself, uh, maybe you do too, I find myself going to Jesus and asking all the wrong questions. 
saying, Jesus, tell me what's right or wrong about this. Tell me. You see, Jesus wants to say, I'm not just the king of the Jews. Yes, I am, but no, I'm not. I'm the king of the kings and the Lord of lords. And, and I'm not here to overthrow the Roman Empire, although it's going to get overthrown because I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And my kingdom, you don't understand, it's not of this world, but, but it is of this world. And, 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 and Pilate is thinking in these categories. And Jesus says, I don't fit into your categories. And I think sometimes we put Jesus in a box. And, and we fail to just take Jesus because, I mean, think of how we do that to people, right? You know, I mean, how many times do we not find out one thing about somebody? Well, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Okay, then I know everything else I need to know. CNN or Fox? You know, same-sex marriage or not same-sex marriage? Where are you on this? That's the issue of our day. That's the, and so Jesus, tell me, what do you come out on that issue, Jesus? Before I decide whether to follow you, I need to know, where do you, and I think Jesus sometimes looks at us and he says, you don't get it. It, it, it's not that issues are unimportant, okay? I'm not saying they're unimportant. But the ultimate question is not where does Jesus stand on my issue. The ultimate question is where do I stand with Jesus? It's where do I stand before him and where do I bow before him? But Pilate came and, he, and, 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 and Jesus' answer is so interesting. The question is, are you the king of the Jews? And, and Jesus responds, you have said so. Is that yes or no? right? Is that yes or is that no? I mean, it could be. You got it. You're right. It could be. Those are your words. Jesus, I think again, is saying, I'm not going to answer the question because it's the wrong question. It's not a question. His key question is not whether I'm the king of the Jews. The key question, Pilate, is whether I'm your king. The key question is is, is not whether I'm going to overthrow Rome. The question is whether you're going to surrender to me and and, and become my follower. And and, and so Jesus just kind of turns that on his ear and and, and says, wrong question. So I'm not going to give you a clear answer. And I wonder how many times some of us, and maybe others, I know people who have said, well, I, I will not become a Christian until God explains this to me or until somebody explains this to me. And it's like, you know what? God is God. And, and, and I think it's great to ask great questions and we need to struggle and think about those things. But at the end of the day, what I want to do is just say, Jesus, you set the agenda for me. And so part of the challenge this week, I think for all of us that I'm going to leave you with, is, and, and, and I'm not, not leaving yet, but it's just to, to, to pray, Jesus, you know what? Help me to live in your categories. You know, again, I mean, we, we ask, is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? I think he'd say, you've said so. He's, so, he's, he's beyond that. He's a, he, we fall into our categories, and, and Jesus just stays. Pilate must have asked some other questions. And, and, and he decided, you know what, this guy's not a threat. His issue is, is he a king of the Jews, threat to Rome? Pilate says, no, I, I, he's not. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Okay, I, I think he's innocent. I, I don't find a basis. The Sanhedrin does not like that. They insisted, verse 5, they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come 